There's a, a group of guys that we partner with um, as a church, um, led by a couple, Mike and Charmaine, who will be with us in a few weeks, uh, two months, I think. But we went uh, all the way there to, to gleam and to build with other church builders that are doing the same thing that we're doing all around the world. So there was uh, about 50 people there, and there was about 10 church, churches represented. And it was so incredible to be able to rub shoulders with guys that are building the kingdom the same way that we are. And it was very cool to hear their troubles, to hear their triumphs, to, to see what they're building. There was a lot of guys there from Africa and from the heart of Africa, from Zimbabwe and, and from all over. And some of their stories, which I'm going to share one today, is just phenomenal to hear what they're doing um, in the kingdom. And there was a guy that was there, um, a guy by the name of Andrew, who spoke to us as a, as a team and as a, a group of church builders. And he said something to me that was very challenging that I want to share with you guys this morning. And it, it's something that I think we need to constantly be asking ourselves. And the question, the thing that he said to me was, would you die for this? Would you die for the building of God's church? And initially, my answer, which I think was the answer of most Christians, would be yes. Instantly, we, we think that that's a pretty simple thing to do. Yes, yep, we'd do that. But as I went away, I, I started to ponder on it more and more. And I thought, geez, that's actually quite a harsh question to ask. That's quite a confronting, full-on question to ask. And I think when we get asked a question like that, we tend to think about the old scenario that if there was a gun to our heads, would we accept Christ in that moment? But I don't think that's actually what the question looks like. I think the, the reality of the question is, would we in our day-to-day lives give ourselves over to build his church? And it started to challenge me in a place where I thought, Flip, I don't know if I'm willing to do that. <laughs> and I had to start to think about every, every point in my life where I would go, okay, God, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to give over that time for you. I'm going to give over what I'm doing for you. And it started to challenge challenged my thinking in how we build the church and why we do what we're doing here. And God showed me two things which I, which I really want to share today, but something that, that I felt while I was pondering on this while we are in South Africa was I, I heard God say, I'm not willing to die for something that I'm not invested in. And I thought, wow, that's right. You know, I'm, not, I'm not willing to give my life for something that I haven't invested myself in. I'm not willing to, to die for a friend that I haven't invested in. So I, I wanted to challenge us this morning, and I am going to start, I'm, I'm going to share, and then we're going to go into worship. Hello, little man. Yeah. No, he's got nothing to say. Yet. Yet. So I want to, I, I want to go in and share, and I, and I, want, to, I want to read from, from Revelations 4 and 5, but I want to do it a little differently this morning, because I, I, I don't want anyone to follow along. I know that sounds odd, and normally we follow along because we can read, but I'd, I'd rather just have have you close your eyes and actually try and picture what this verse is saying. Sometimes we read the Bible and we, we fail to actually work out what it's really saying when we get to the crux of it. So I know it's odd. I know it's already been odd because we haven't worshipped yet and you're feeling a little uncomfortable. I want to ask you to be a little bit more uncomfortable for the next five minutes. <laughs> so if you can just close your eyes. I'm, I'm reading from Revelations 4 or 5. You're taking notes. Scribble that down and then, and then we can take more notes after. After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice, which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. 
At once I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne was 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and pearls of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the the four living creatures, each of them with six wings and full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Then I saw the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no, weep no more. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, singing with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped. Father, we just focus on you this morning, God. We just focus on this scene that you've given to us, God. We focus on the fact that when we worship you and when we praise you and when we pray to you, God, that we fill that room with incense, Father. 
God, we just honor you here this morning, Father, and I pray, Lord, that whatever gets said this morning that's not of you, you allow to fall away, God, but whatever you want to do here this morning, Father, that you just change lives here, God. You allow us to see you in all of your glory, Father. Amen. I'm so incredibly challenged by this verse because when we look at it, this is what's happening in heaven right now. And I started to question, God, why, why would you show this to me again and again? And, and I, I started to think, where are we in this verse? Where do we fit into this place that, that, that is being shown in heaven? How do we, how do we fit into this plan that's, that's, that's here? And, and in verse 5 and 8, Revelation 5 to 8, it says that incense in the golden bowls were the praise of the people, us. Our praises fill the, the, the throne room of God where that incredible scene is taking place. And I started thinking that, okay, so, so what does that look like when we worship? Is that only that, that one Sunday morning, once a week on a Sunday morning when we come together and we worship, that that's when that scene takes place? But I really felt like God was saying that that scene is taking place all the time in the throne room of God. And every time we position ourselves to honor him, to honor the Father, we fill that room with incense. I used to um, go to a Catholic school where we had to go to, um, to Mass once a week. And I remember sitting in the, in the, um, in the church and the, the priest brings the... Um, people call it a smoking handbag, but I don't know what the real name for it is. But the, um, the incense... And no matter where you sat in that church, it was a massive church, that incense filled every crack and crevice of the place. And it, was an, it smelled to me like mothballs, like, like old mothballs. But the reality was, was that it was so thick and heavy, and it was everywhere in the church. And I find it so interesting that God actually says in this time that when we worship him from those golden bowls, our praise and our worship come up out and they fill the room of God. So then it started to challenge me because I started thinking, okay, well, what happens if the worship's not so great? What happens when we go and we say, how was church? Oh, well, it wasn't very good because the worship wasn't very good. What? How can it be that the worship wasn't very good when, we're, when we have this picture, we have God the Father sitting on the throne and we're pouring ourselves out to Him? I wonder if, if in that time the angels spoke to one another and they said, how do you think this morning was? Ah, it wasn't great. We only sung holy, holy, holy. And the guy next to me wasn't real great at it. So it was, mm, it was a bit weird for me. What would it be like if, if, if all of the elders were sitting on that throne with their golden crowns on and one decided, ah, I just don't like the way that he's, he said that. So I'm not going to toss my crown today. I know I'm being a little facetious in this, but the, the reality is, is that that's what we do in church today. That's where we've gotten to in a place where we go, God, today I don't feel like it. And trust me, I struggled to write this sermon because I'm exactly the same. I'm in the same place where I think to myself, God, I, I don't want to get up this morning and pray. I don't want to read my Bible this morning. I don't want to do this. And I, I get to a place where I go, what happens if they were to do that in that throne room? 
What does that look like? And God started to challenge me that when we build the church, when we start building what he's asking us to build, it's all because of this scene right here, because of the glory of God. That when we say we're a Christian, we're a Christian, we should be a Christian so sold out that, God, we want to praise you in that place. I had a, um, there was a, a sermon that, that Francis Chan did, and he, he said this thing which, which also challenged me. He said, if I was to book a Sunday, Sunday morning service and I got one of the best speakers known in, that, for argument's sake, let's say Bill Johnson. If we had Bill Johnson come here on a Sunday morning, we would have guys we've never seen before knocking at the door to get in. We would have this place so full that we'd have to put seating out in the car park. Now, I'm not saying, that, I'm, I'm, not saying I'm against Bill Johnson. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, why is it that we have that? But when we say we're going to have a time of prayer and worship, we're going to really press in to seek the face of the Father, we struggle to get guys involved. Why is it that when I sit down on a, on a on a Tuesday morning or a Thursday morning, it's easy for me to put on a sermon and listen to it, but it's hard for me to close my eyes and to get into a place of worship. The challenge that we have to keep giving ourselves is, why are we doing this? Why? Why? Why, why push ourselves to want to know the Father more? Why, why strive to press into what he's doing? Why do we read the scriptures earnestly and double check and triple check? What are we doing that for? In my opinion and where I feel God has me right now, it's for this very moment. God, you are so incredible. You are so amazing that I want to worship you in this place. And I'm okay that all my worship is is incense that fills the room. I'm okay with that. But I know that I get to be in that room regardless. And it really changes our, our concept of, of worship. It really changes the way that we look at how we worship. And that's why I asked the guys to, to play a little later, is that I, I want us to take something with everything that we have and enter into his courts with all that we have. And I wanted to, to also show that worship isn't just what we do here on a Sunday morning. Worship isn't just strumming a guitar. If you can't strum a guitar, you can still worship God. It's a position that we put our heart in. It's a position that we stand on and say, God, I want to be in that throne room with you. I want to fill that room with everything that I have, the incense that I can. I want to give to you in that place. When we begin to change our position, we change our heart. and We realize that we are worshiping God on the throne with Jesus sitting next to him. When we have that vision as our place of worship, man, worship changes. Because it no longer becomes about you and me. It becomes about that scene right there with the elders sitting, with creatures we don't understand crying out his name. We have to change our, pers- our, our perspective. Perspective. We have to start to understand that when we worship God, when we pray in the morning, when we pray in the afternoon, when we, when we give glory to who he is, when we stand in that place, every time that we're worshiping him like that, we're filling the throne room of God. If you have a Bible, you can, you can turn, open it, sorry, and turn to Acts 2 for me.
Go to Acts 2, verse 42. I've read this verse out, I've preached on this verse before, and I'm going to preach on this verse until the day that the church steps into this verse, until we really realize that this is what we're supposed to be. Not just this house, but the global church has to be in a place that we see this. And I want to break it down a little bit this morning. 2 verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. When we begin to understand this verse, this is the picture of a New Testament church. This is the picture that we are striving to get to where a community of people gather together to praise and worship God on a regular basis. They come together often to add to that scene in heaven. They come together to to glorify who he is in that place. That word there, devoted, that we see at the very start, they devoted themselves. It's a Greek word, proskaterio, and it means to be earnest toward, to persevere, to be steadfast, or to be continually diligent and to attend assiduously. The English understanding of that word devoted we have means to be given over to the display, study, or discussion of. To be given over to the display, study, or discussion of. To give ourselves over to. And I like that in this verse it said that the people devoted themselves. They gave themselves over. So they come out from Pentecost, Peter preaches, and they gave themselves over. I think we've created a thing now where we have to run out and chase people and grab them and bring them in. That's not what happened at the end of Pentecost. Once they received the Holy Spirit, all they did, like what we heard Brad say, was they, they um, attested to the word of God and they brought themselves in. And they devoted themselves. So I started looking at how we, how we actually go about doing this. So in, in looking at that, the despair, the, the English dictionary understanding of, of devoted, which I said before, is to be given over to the display, study, or discussion. The display, what it looks like, the study, how it works, and the discussion, what we do with it. So in every aspect of this verse, at every aspect of Acts 2, we need to give ourselves over to the, the teaching of the apostles. We need to give ourselves over the teaching of the apostles, the display, what does it look like? What does the teaching look like? How does it work? What do we do with it? So when we hear people come and, and, and preach from, from this barrel, we need to look at it just like that. 
that every time someone opens the Bible for you and wants to show you something, we need to look at it and give ourselves to every time the display. What does it look like? What are you trying to say to me? How does it work? How does it work in the scriptures? Does it fit? Is it actually what God's saying? And then what do we do with it? Because we've all heard millions of sermons, sermon after sermon after sermon. But if you're not doing anything with it, it's like having riding gear and never going riding. We become that one guy that buys all the expensive gear but doesn't know how to use it. The fellowship. We give ourselves over to the fellowship. We give ourselves over in what it looks like. We give ourselves over in how it works. And we give ourselves over to what, it, what we do with it. We give ourselves in every instance of the fellowship. We give ourselves over to the breaking of bread. I spoke a few weeks ago about what, that, what breaking of bread actually means, that we celebrate that with ourselves. We celebrate about who we cut covenant with, with Jesus. That that breaking of bread is actually a celebration to what God's doing. We get the uh, pleasure to have dinner with the dear loves quite regularly. And it's awesome to hear them pray because they pray in a, in a way that is celebratory to what God did. But it also is celebratory in what he's coming back to do. And I think it's so cool to hear them pray a, a thank you for the fact that we got to cut covenant with God, but also a remembrance of I know you're coming back for something. We do that regularly with our families. We remember who we are. That's what the breaking of bread was all about. It's not a sad, somber thing that we, we carry. It's, Jesus, I remember that I cut covenant with you and you're coming for me. That in my battles you have me. It's an exciting remembrance of who he is. We give ourselves to the prayers. We give ourselves to building a relationship with God. We give ourselves to being in that throne room with him. When I started looking at it like this, it changes, it flips that question on its head. Would you die for this? Would you give yourself to these things? We start thinking that every time it's challenging because we have to start to realize we have to give ourselves to these things. It's important for us to stand and be earnest with this no matter what it looks like. So now all of a sudden, it's not that gun to your head scenario where will you accept Christ? Will you, will you die for him? No, and now it's every single day we wake up, we think, okay, I wanna give myself to this thing. I'm gonna give myself to prayer today. More than I am to eating, I'm gonna give myself to prayer today. It's so hard to think of it like that, but it's so important that we do. Because when you, when you start to, to get the ball rolling, when you start to go, I'm going to give myself to it, it gets easier and easier and more exciting and more freeing once we do it. My wife and I have just started a, a life-changing uh, dietary eating plan habit. And it's terrible. <laughs> I'll give you the hot tip. But it's getting easier every day we pass. Every day we understand, okay, cool, this is how we live now. This is how we, this is how we operate. Every day it gets easier and easier and easier in what we're eating. It's exactly the same with the kingdom of God. It gets more exciting, it gets more freeing, you get more hungry and hungry and hungry for what you're doing with God. But we have to give ourselves. 
We have to give ourselves over to those things. We have to give ourselves over to the prayer, the breaking of bread, the apostles' teaching. That when we read this verse, it says that they gave themselves over. They devoted themselves. Just go back to that verse if you've got it open. Verse 43, it says that awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. That awe came over every soul. That once they came in and devoted themselves to what the the church was building, devoted themselves to the house of God, they were in awe of the Father. So when we go back to that scene we first read in Revelations, what were they doing? They were in awe of who God was. So much so that the, the, the elders took their golden crowns off their heads and tossed them like we don't want them because we want to worship you. When we're wondering why, God, why I can't just have an awe of you, it's because we haven't devoted ourselves to who he is. We haven't devoted ourselves to the things that he's building. We haven't given ourselves over to what he's doing. How can I die for something that I'm not fully invested in? How can I become devoted to him who I'm not fully invested in? And I know this is, this is challenging, and I know that it's hard to, to, to comprehend, and there's a lot that needs to be thought about, but that's how we have to start thinking as a church. Because there's too many churches at the moment, there's too many buildings building toward ourselves, and that's not what we're to build toward. That's why I love this scene in Revelation that the only, the, the first mention that we get, the first mention that we get in that scene is that we're the incense. And the second mention that we get, we, we get in that is that God says that we'll be given a kingdom and a king. I just want to go back to get where that is. Revelations 5.10. You have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Priests to God. So firstly, we, we see that we, we're in that throne room as the instance of God, and then God gives us something in that same sentiment. We'll be given priests, as priests. So I really want to challenge you this morning on, on how, we, how we worship. And I know that we're going to worship here in a minute, and I want you to carry this picture into that time of worship. But this is the beginning of something for you, for all of us. This is the beginning of a week full of worship to God. This is the beginning of understanding this scene in a place where, God, we want to worship you at this. We want to see what you're doing in this. We want to have an awe for you. But when we come out of that place, there's something for us to do. We must be devoting ourselves to what he's doing right here, right now. And this is not something that would get done very often from a, a church pulpit because I think it's countercultural to what's being built. But you need to be where God is telling you to be, to do and devote yourself to. If that's here, awesome. Let's go. Let's do it. If that's not here, that's okay. It's more important 
for you to be where God's calling you to be than for us to build anything. If we build a, a building full of people and God hasn't called anyone there, nothing will get done. If God's called you here, then I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to devote yourself to what he's calling. And a lot of times we hear guys say, yeah, but I don't know where to devote myself. I don't know how to do that. Go back and read Acts 2. Devote yourself to those things. And I promise you the awe of God will fall upon you and you will start seeing him move. Do you guys want to come up? I want to leave you with two things before, before I finish and we go into worship. A very basic understanding of this verse, but Luke 7.36, we see the woman come into Lazarus' house where Jesus is eating. And we see her, we see her wash the feet of Jesus with her tears and wash his feet with her hair. That was very countercultural to what was happening in the day that she went out on the most extreme limb to do that because that was not her place. That was the highest level of dishonor that could be had, but what happened was she was captivated and in awe of Jesus, that none of that mattered. That when the disciples said, Jesus, do you not know who this woman is? He didn't care. He said, she's saved, go and sin no more. In the place where he should have discouraged her from doing that. He loved her. If she didn't go out on that limb, if she didn't step out in awe of Jesus, she would have never got what she was looking for. But because she was so captivated, she was so captivated by, what, by who he was, it didn't matter. That's where we need to be. In a place that we are so captivated by that scene in heaven. We are so in awe of God that everything we do, we do, Father, to praise you, to worship you. What do you want me to do next? Like Moses said, I won't go anywhere, God, unless you send the Spirit. Unless he moves, I won't move. Too often as, as Christians, we, we work, 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 and then we turn around and say, God, was that what I was supposed to do? But Moses said, I will not move from this place. I will not do anything, God, until you tell me to do it. I will not go to any church, any house, God, until you tell me to go. Later on in Luke, it says that one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And that verse is talking about finances, talking about where you build those things. And I think there's, a, there's a, a, a greater principle, kingdom principle in that, that when we're faithful with the little that God gives us, He will give us more and more and more. What is God asking you to be faithful with? What's the little that He has for you right now? In this place, in your family, with your kids, in your workplace, what is it that God has asked us? What is it that He's given you to be faithful with right now? Because when we start to build that, in this awe of God, we can start to really understand who He is. Why don't you stand and we'll pray.
Father, we just, we just come before you, God. We just offer ourselves right now, Father, as vessels, God, to worship you, Father. God, we just want to devote ourselves to you, become in awe of who you are, Jesus. Have your way with us, God. Have your way with us, Father. God, we pray, as it is in heaven, bring it here on earth. And then what we see in heaven is just an absolute admiration of you. So God, I pray right now, Father, that it is on earth as it is in heaven. A family of people devoted to you, God. A group of people in such awe and admiration of who you are, God, that it doesn't matter where we go or what we do, so long as we're doing it with you. Won't you come right now, Holy Spirit? Won't you come and just pour yourself out over us, your people? We just worship you right now, God, adding to that beautiful scene in heaven. We just place our eyes on you, Jesus, right now. We just worship your beautiful name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God.